Pod, 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 pod. Rugby pod. Hello and welcome back to the Rugby Pod. I'm Andy Ryan, Big Jim and Goody are with me as usual. We'll be looking at another hectic weekend of Champions Cup rugby as quite a few English clubs excelled again and a few sides bounced back from disappointment in round one. Plus, we'll be having a chat with Bath boss Johan van Graan about their great start to the season. So settle back, enjoy and make sure that you've subscribed on Spotify. Andy Rowe, it's the end of the road mate, it's the last day in the office. How are you? What a journey. Last ever rugby pod, Andy Rowe. After eight years, you've binned us off. You've gone back to New Zealand. You've got a red face from licking the flowers again, haven't you? You've been, you've been at it again this week, getting on the udders. Well, you must have been licking some udders in Dubai, Andrew, because your face ain't far off red as Andy Rowe's. Mine's a nice shade of brown now. Mate, how are you, Andy Rowe? The last one. It's been epic. I know, it's been such a long journey. It's been such a great journey. I mean, it feels like it, it was only yesterday where we were in the studios at... Wise Buddha off Oxford Street, having a couple of pints before the first show and then sitting down to record just some rugby chat and look where we are now, lads. Look where we've been. And eat cat food. You were eating cat food. That's all I remember. <laughs> that came after. That wasn't straight away. That's when he became more comfortable with us, Andrew, that the cat food came in. But Andy Rowe, genuinely, so this is your last episode. It does feel a bit weird. It's the end of an era and all that. You're back in New Zealand. You've gone back home. Working with me and Goody is like talking of cats. It's like herding a couple of old cats. But have you enjoyed it? I've loved it. I've loved it. I've learned a lot as well. And you kind of, you see how the pods kind of evolved over the last years and how we've all evolved with it. And I've like highlights, man, there's been a huge amount of highlights. You look at the live shows especially. But then I think like meeting all the rugby pod listeners is always like, is always awesome because when you think about my role in the rugby pod, it differs a lot from your two roles in the rugby pod. Effectively, I've always tried to be like the listener and tried to be like, think who is listening to the rugby pod. So when I've met people, I feel like we're the same. I feel like we've got a lot in common and they always ask about you two and ask what it's like working with you guys. So what'd you say? Um, I'd say it's why you it's, 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 it's why, fun why, yeah, it's, it's cool yeah, yeah. It's, um, yeah. it's, re- it's really fun the they made me eat cat food but on that Andy bro, I'll say it mate I'm going to miss you like Thanks, genuinely man. I don't know where we go we're working through what we're going to do how the pod's going to look like after Christmas and stuff but like you'll be missed and we've had some great cracks along the way I mean it did get a bit weird when we went to the Lions in 2017 (laughs) I just retired and we were like right the pod's going to go down to New Zealand but me and Goody were going to go down and we're like well it's a bit weird that Andy Rowe's not coming to New Zealand even though he's from here so we flew Andy Rowe over via Baghdad to get him there (laughs) and we got him a bed (laughs) We got him a bed on the floor and he said he was that hungry in the middle of the night that there was a bowl of cat food and he'd taken two tramadols on the way over that he started eating the cat food. That was like where I was like, who is this bloke that is hosting the rugby pod? But yeah, that's where I realised you were one of us. That's where I realised that going back through the archives of being in Leicester where Luke Abraham's eating jack of potatoes and kebabs out of bins and I did enjoy his company as well, the AK-47, that Andy Rowe eating a tin of cat food because it was the only thing that was next to his bed and he couldn't walk because he was high on two diazepans. I was like, this guy is in for the long haul. Yeah, yeah. It's been great having him. It generally has been great having him, but getting the nickname The Weird Fish from doing a few weird things and then, you know, stringing us together and, and pulling the pod together. Mate, it's been great. We've really enjoyed having you on the pod. Oh, thanks, Hopefully mate. it's not the full end because you are going to come back at some point, but it's been fun. But what a clown. Three clowns. You're a bit less of a clown than me or Jim, but you're just a bit weirder. So the weird fish is retiring, James. Andy Rowe, maybe tell the listeners what I've said. So you've gone back to New Zealand and now I know there's a couple of different opportunities out there. You must be quite nervous. What was my one line of advice to you? Yeah, I'm nervous coming back because you're coming back to the unknown. I'm, get, I'm I'm losing the rugby pod, which I've been on for eight years, and it's like, what the fuck am I going to do in New Zealand? Like, there's no there's no market for this. Although they do love rugby down here, but I was like, what am I going to do? And Jim's like, mate, you've got to go back, shoulders back, cock out, and own the place. 
I was like, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll, yeah, shoulders back. No, 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 cock out as well, cock out as well. I was like, okay, all right. Okay. <laughs> I made sure I got it in there, reiterate. He didn't want to say it. He's gone back to New Zealand. They don't like using terms like that, but I said shoulders back, cock out. Basically, walk back in there like you King Kong. But then you're flopping out two inches or two and a half inches. That's, that's, the, that's the problem, isn't it? Exactly. With a Kiwi bush as well. Yeah. But yeah, Andy Rowe, we've loved having you, mate. It's going to be weird without you. Yeah, hopefully it's not the, well, it's not the end. We'll definitely get you back on so you can give us half a line on the demise well it's not the demise of all blacks rugby because friend of the show scott robertson's going to be coaching so we get a bit of insight you could just basically pretend to be him so whenever the all blacks are playing we'll just say we've got him on but it, effectively it's you yeah has anyone else been in contact as producer rob been in contact as the owners of the pod as gorgeous chris or fred been in contact <laughs> Uh, the, the owner the owner of the pod, uh, Fred, has been in contact, sent me a, a lovely message that I, I got in the oh. middle of the night. Yeah, so it was like, obviously, I, I wake up and you know, I want to get a text in the middle of the night. I've got one here from Fred. I'll read it to you. It says, hi, mate. Was thinking it would be funny if Jim and Goody sent you two pet fish named Goody and Jim and a small aquarium as a leaving gift and you can have it in the background on Monday, question mark. I was like, okay, how's he going to get that to me? Reckon you could find someone nearby and we'll pay for it. <laughs> and you can expense it did you do it or not no. I messaged him back mate I said well, I don't know if I'm going to have time to go and buy an aquarium mate <laughs> well they wouldn't say you one anyway Andy Rowe because the people at the pet shop probably think you'd eat the fish anyway so it's the thought that counts though Andy Rowe yeah sort your own leaving present out it'll be all good yeah <laughs> sort your own leaving present out <laughs> hey that's what we do here we're it's pretty direct we're just a bunch of men just haven't got a clue how to migrate through the uh the emotional side of life you guys all sort of for christmas you got anything lined up as far as presents for your, your families have you done your shopping oh. yet what's going on no, no, no. Talking of men and emotion, I ain't done any shopping. And for anyone who's seen the delays online of buying stuff online, I'm gonna have to go. I, I'm gonna have to go into a shop and buy all the family the Links Africa. That's the general consensus that they're all. No, getting, so. James, just get them all Mall and Brawl. That's all they need. Well, they're getting that as well. Yeah, that's all they're getting. Yeah, but just on the Mall and Brawl stuff, thank you for everyone who's ordered. We've stopped. We've halted sales now because we can't guarantee. Christmas delivery but for all you Mall and Brawlers out there Beck's got blisters on her hands I've got blisters on my hands as well so big thank you for that and I still haven't got mine Jim yours on the way down Andrew it's on the way down okay but via pigeon or via slugs nope I think <laughs> Akmash who's our local delivery guy he's coming to collect the last orders today so hold the fort but Christmas presents and buying is not me but I do love Christmas and I'm looking forward to I'm having a bit of downtime just quiet at home, by the fire, dark days in Edinburgh. Not seeing the sun in about three weeks, but I bloody love Christmas. Christmas movies, Christmas trees, Christmas decorations, shouting at the kids, like all that stuff that happens at Christmas, I bloody love it. Any Christmas movies in particular that you watch? I'm old school. Die Hard. Die Hard. That's not a Christmas movie. No, it's not, Andrew. You're absolutely right. Andy Rowe, that's why you're gone, because you say ridiculous things <laughs> like this. <laughs> Who says Die Hard is a Christmas movie? No, Home Alone is the go-to in our house. Girls love The Grinch as well. What else? What else you got, Jim? Elf. Love Actually. Yes. Hook, the Peter Pan movie? No, Andy Rowe, you need it's to stop. It's not a inputting. Christmas movie. It happened at Christmas. Well, the one for you, James, because you say you don't do Christmas presents is Scrooge, but you love Christmas. So No, I do do Christmas presents. You just said you don't. I do, but I don't like going out to buy them. If I could buy them online, I hate going uh, to the shops. Okay. I've got child trauma from being dragged around Dorothy Perkins and Debenhams as a kid. Christmas must be popping off in Dubai, Goody. It is very happy. Well, part of the Christmas present for the girls was to take them on holiday for 10 days. So we got back from the army a couple of weeks ago. I was absolutely Baltic. And I said, right, we're going to Dubai. So we, we're out here for 10 days, 28 degrees. So I can't complain. My head's got sunburnt. The kids are in the pool. We've gone to see my best mate, my favorite Frenchman, Damien, over at Nobu. And we're going again tonight. So I'm pretty happy, boys. Pretty hard to watch some of the rugby out here, but... The kids are happy, they're in the pool, and I'm sweating by the on the sunbed. Before we get on to the rugby, I know we touched on this last week, but the videos come out of Jim Hamilton's devastating left kick to Jokas Duplessis. Have you, have you seen it, Goody? Devastating kick. I mean, when you speak to Jim, and Jim has a nickname from his days at Saracens as Jack and Ori Jim, right? <laughs> 
I was convinced Jim's nearly filled him in when he's telling me the story. He I didn't was say very nearly honest. broke a leg. Nearly broke a leg. I didn't say fill him in. <laughs> On the phone, you said you nearly filled him in and then he uppercutted you in the face. You said you nearly broke his leg and then you see the kick and I'm like, Jim, what <laughs> the FNL was that? Yeah, didn't look great. Uh, but it was like the same thing as when he pulled the, the trigger shooting the light gun on the army course that we were on. He's like, I pulled it and I was, I looked, how cool did I look? And then you watch the video back and he's, he's whimpering <laughs> and his hands are going everywhere. So, mate, I loved watching it. It was hilarious. And fair play to get in even under controlled circumstances with your jeans on, your socks because you've got Mauler's toe or a gammy foot and he didn't want you to take your socks off. But to get in the octagon with him and just have a play, it can end a man. And you said you were worried about shitting yourself or pissing yourself. The kick was feeble. Your movement in the octagon isn't great. But again, you're a 42-year-old bloke, Jim. Well, 41, so, but yeah, I, okay. I look 52, but that's fine. But 41. that content comes out this week, actually, so I could name drop that. It's coming out. I can't wait to watch on it. On Ruby Pass TV, so we're going to go through the edits and stuff, so can't wait. And off the back of it, Jim, you told him to have a scrap in the stands, and so he did. He did. He did at the UFC at the weekend. So bloody love that sport. They don't give two bollocks, do they? It's all, no. Talking of entertainment and selling, and they're just absolutely rogue. So yeah, Drickers Duper C. Friend of the show, that content comes out on Rugby Pass TV this week, actually. So I'll be sharing it on my socials. Well, someone's ability that can't be doubted at the moment, Courtney Laws, back-to-back Player of the Match awards. How good is he? Northampton just going to have to get the checkbook out or what? Interesting one, isn't it, on Courtney? He's been phenomenal the last couple of weeks or since he announced his retirement from England like Northampton have been great but him especially like it's not just jumping on the Courtney Laws bandwagon up because everyone else is talking about it when you watch his game like off the ball his work off the ball of how fit he is and the stuff that people don't see turnovers and cover tackles and like his, his effect on the mall and these things in his position as a second row slash back row but let's just say he moves up into the second row he ain't he's playing six he ain't second row but this is what I mean. But the moneymaker is in the second row in terms of like, if he was to leave, they'd look to probably sign him as the second row because we know across the world that teams are thin on the ground in the second row. Hence, Arky Snyman being offered half a million, even though he doesn't play a huge amount because he struggled with injuries. So there's a massive void around the world. So his value is probably skyrocketed. The thing around Courtney is his age profile. You know, if he was to stay at Northampton or if he was to sign for another Prem club, which he wouldn't do, as good as he's playing now, like how is he going to be next year Having if he's been asked to play every single week? Because at the minute, he looks like as good as he's ever been. But, yeah. you know, he's massive for Northampton. Maybe the fact that he's not going to be playing international rugby is going to be huge for him. But, yeah, like he's out of contract, is he? Yeah, he is. Some of his stats, 13 carries from the weekend, which, you know, you don't necessarily associate with Courtney. You kind of look at his game and he's banging boys. He's up in the line out. He's in malls and destroying malls and all that stuff. But I can't see him leaving Northampton. He won't leave for another premiership club, that's for sure. I don't think he's someone that needs or wants to go abroad for a short stint, cash-wise. You know, he's just been given the freedom of the city of Northampton. So he can go and graze his cattle on common land there if he wants to. So, Hang on. So he's been given the keys to the city. Is that genuine? Courtney Laws has been given the freedom of Northampton City. I mean, I don't want to be arsed, but the only restaurant there is an all-you-can-eat Chinese buffet. So did he get to go there? <laughs> That's the only restaurant in Northampton I've seen. If that all-you-can-eat Chinese buffet is on common ground, then he's getting his cattle in there and they're getting sweet and sour chicken, crispy fried rice, and the prawn crackers to go with it. So And the shits as well. Yeah, probably. He's been a phenomenon for Northampton over the years. I think he wants to stay a one-club man. But it's amazing at that age to still be performing week in, week out at that level. Off the back of a World Cup where he was pretty impressive too. I think he's looking forward to the Six Nations to get a break, to get a holiday, to get some sunshine. But he's certainly putting in the yards in the meantime, isn't he? Do you think Saints are contenders for the Champions Cup and in the Premiership if they carry on like this? Looking at the games at the weekend, Toulouse seemed head and shoulders above anyone. They were ridiculous, weren't they? Unbelievable. But Northampton, I don't know. I really don't know because it's going to be interesting how the Champions Cup unfolds. And me and Goody were having this chat and producer Rob was saying how teams are looking at the Champions Cup because the amount of games in the top 14, URC and Prem, from a fan's perspective, the buy-in from them. You look at Cardiff. Great energy around that. You look at Stade Francais, they've got history in the competition. There's hardly any fans in the stadium against Leicester. 
the South African teams, they've bought in as teams, but have the fans really bought in? But it looks like a team like Northampton and Bath and two English premiership teams have really bought in. So it all depends, doesn't it, in terms of where you get to on game three. You look at Northampton, two from two, smash Glasgow away from home, big win against Toulon at home. So you're now in prime position in the Champions Cup to get you through to knockout. But Northampton look very good on both fronts. They've always been an excellent team to watch. And we've said it time and time again here. The likes of Furbank, Freeman, Dingwall, you know, Finn Smith at 10, Alex Mitchell at 9. The way they play is exciting to watch. Sam Vesti has a coach that we know very well. And we said it last week around their defence. Lee Radford has come in and done a hell of a job there. But the only thing I worry about them in the biggest of games is their set piece, the scrum time, when it comes to the big knockout games. But they are, at the minute, they're producing as much as they can with the quality they've got. They play an exciting brand. They're scoring tries. Courtney has been on fire, ball carrying and banging boys for fun, line out steals. Pearson in the back row, I love watching him play. So they have got some classy operators. I just worry a little bit about their set piece at scrum time. When you get to the big knockout stages, that is something that, yeah. you know, in their evolution as a team, you know, you're looking at some of the big teams with big scrums. I think that's a big focus area for them in recruitment going forward, but they're certainly doing a hell of a job at the minute. How surprised have you guys been with Exeter's success early on this season? Because they showed quite a bit of depth against Munster, didn't they? Very surprised. I thought Exeter were in a massive transition. I didn't know whether something was going on there behind the scenes that we didn't know about. We know the stuff around the premiership and the salary cap and the kind of rejig that clubs are having to do. I look at the profile of that Exeter team. You've got a 21-year-old up-and-coming Welsh player as captain I'm thinking what's going on here you're losing players like Luke Cowan Sicky Sam Simmons your best player or one of your best player goes over to Montpellier Joe Simmons as well leaves Jack Knoll goes O'Flaherty leaves to sale Stuart Hogg so we're naming some of the best players in recent years in the Prem you're thinking Johnny Hill Dave Ewers goes to Ulster so mate we're talking about some of the best players Exeter have had and they're leaving so you're right where's the investment but it just shows you, you go back through the archives of what Rob Baxter, the coaching team, that club have done in producing not just any players, producing young English players and bringing in some quality signings. So in answer to your question, Andy Rowe, massively surprised. Like Munster are one of the best teams around at the minute. And we can maybe talk about some of the stuff around that game. But some of the performances from Exeter and the brand of rugby that they're playing shows the quality of coaching and actually this transition that Rob Baxter was speaking about, there's no better man at the helm to be able to take a team through that. Because I was thinking initially, is it time for someone like Rob Baxter to move on? Does he take the England gig? Does he do that? He's been there a long time. But quality rugby man, quality rugby team, and massive win against Munster at the weekend. Yeah, the evolution started last year when he, he started resting a few or giving opportunities to some of these younger lads. And, you know, you've got kids still at uni performing against a monster team in the Investec Champions Cup, way beyond what probably most people think from outside the group, but inside, from inside, the belief that Rob Baxter has given these guys. And, okay, they got a bit of luck, bounce the ball. That you know, Munster will look back at this game and think, how the hell have we lost that? They were in control. 24-13 up with about 20 minutes to go. Next to get a try. Then there's the bounce of the ball from the kick. Calvin Nash lets the ball bounce, not once, but twice in the backfield. It falls into Jack Dunn's hands. What an impact he had off the bench as well. And the momentum just swung massively. Henry Slade gets the intercept at the end. And Munster have left that game from being 11 points up with 20 to go with the bonus point in the bag already, thinking there's five points to take home from Sandy Park here. And they've left with one. They haven't even got a losing bonus point because Henry Slade intercepts Conor Murray's pass and then has the wheels to get there. But he thought about doing a big dive. He thought about the gash splash or a Slade flop or whatever you want to call it. And he just bottled it. And it was the worst dive you've ever seen for a try, thinking he was going to celebrate. But Slade, he's been phenomenal. Since he got dropped from the World Cup, all those other boys left Exeter. He's taken on the skipper's armband, a real leadership role there. And Rob Baxter said it himself. He's training and playing like when he first got picked for England, which at 30 years of age, he's obviously trying to prove something to himself, trying to be a leader in the Chief Chief Chiefs, but also prove to Steve Borthwick that he's still good enough at international level. And, you know, they're playing with no fear. They've won 22 games on the spin at Sandy Park. At home, mental. Which is phenomenal. That is a record to behold, especially with the youngsters that are playing. And Leicester go there 
this weekend in the Prem with a fully loaded team. So it'll be interesting to see. And that bubble will have to burst at some point. Someone will go there and win. But my God, they're doing some good things down there with some young kids regenerating a squad. But not only regenerating a squad, competing at the top level. So kudos to them all. Speaking of regenerating squads, Sale made 11 changes from last week's starting lineup, resting the likes of Ford and Manu Tuolangi. They did all right against Leinster though, didn't they? Yeah, they did better than all right. I thought they were going to get absolutely hosed. I was in that camp that if I would have said it, Alex Anderson would have fired up the troops around that. But you can only go based on what team comes out, right? And if you're making 11 changes, like you said, there's no George Ford, there's no Manu Tuolangi. What can you go based on if you're playing against Leinster, one of the best teams in the world, one of the best club teams? So there was a couple of headline moments in that game. You know, Andrew, that I'm not a man to call out stuff on social media and I don't like calling refs out. But You're going to. I've got to because there was a massive decision in that game yeah. around the scrum. I mean, the scrums were a little bit scrappy and we had friend of the show scrummaging at Loosehead. But this one moment where James Harper is on the tight head and the scrum goes down and Porter actually brings the scrum down or slips. I know I'm going straight into a negative before we can talk about how good Sale were and Lencer to come back and some of the quality that they showed in the second half. But I was just like, that's the issue, right? So that's the message that I want to get out of this. When you make that many changes, even in your in the ref's mind, James Harper up against Andrew Porter, okay? Well, Andrew Porter's going to win every day of the week. Dan Sheehan at Hooker, they've got an unbelievable pack, Leinster. So any kind of 50-50s or any question marks over a decision, you're going straight for Leinster. But I've got to call that one out because I watched that one and I was like, no, no. You can't yell a card him. It's not his. That's such a big call. Yeah. When you are having 11 changes, you're up against one of the best teams in the world. And off the back of that, that's where Leinster went through the gears. So for me, I have to highlight that one moment that came out of that game. And there was loads of stuff like Josh van der Fleer was wicked. I didn't realise he was under the pressure that he was under, but... He got dropped last week, didn't he? And then got the turnover at the end to basically seal the game before Kieran Frawley kicks the monster 60-metre penalty. But... He gets picked again and he was phenomenal. But let's talk about Sale. They were winning at half-time, 13-11 up. They conceded just before half-time. The try they scored from Doherty in the first half, Rafi Quirk with a little grubber kick through, that's clearly been worked on. They'd seen a weakness in Leinster's midfield defence on the pitch. Picks one up from the breakdown, little grubber kick through. I think Dupree got the ball, fed to Doherty. It was class. And not everyone, 95% of people would have been in Jim's bed thinking this is going to be a hosing. But, there's something going on in Irish rugby at the minute. They're not performing consistently well. Maybe it's still the, the hangover from the World Cup of all the expectation. But they clicked into gear in that second half. And no doubt, Jim, you're right. That yellow card, which should never have been a yellow card, certainly helped them. But Sale scored a wonder try at the end as well, going from their own 22. I mean, look at the talent that England have got in that back three. Yeah. For just out and out speed. Aaron Reid, my goodness me. Even the misses. I was like, God, he's quick. I was like, yeah, well, yeah, so I'm big, I'm strong. Like, what, I'm what, I'm what? <laughs> what was going on with Johnny Hill? Goody's pissed him off by calling him out a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> Mate, I just, I'm just an honest man. Like, Johnny Hill should have played the game 20 years ago. He'd have been... Amen. He might have got filled in, but his antics where he's leaving knees on people's chests and throwing people over, advertising hoardings, then holding their... He's like the fake tough guy, isn't he? Is he the enforcer? Mate, I like Johnny Hill. Harbury boy. But I know what you mean, yeah, as in they're the things, like the discipline around that. You know, Josh van der Fleer, you see loads of players trying to get stuck into him. He doesn't flinch ever, never. Never does he lose his, lose his mind. And that's what it is, isn't it? I think the big thing for Johnny Hill is that's the big difference. If you're Steve watching that. Do you reckon Steve's told him to go out there and be a bit of a see you next Tuesday? But there, there is that line, isn't there? Yeah, it doesn't exist anymore. Like, as in, if you can do it like Big Willie, Little Willie Skelton, then it's a very different yeah. proposition, isn't it? If you can behave like that and you're absolutely obliterating anything that moves, then it's different. But yeah, you just got to be careful. I've been that player before where you get that reputation. And it wasn't even that bad, the knee on the chest for Josh van der Fleer, but it was enough for them to get pinged. and It just looks bad. You know, for him to look a little bit embarrassed. Yeah, yeah. And it can be quite embarrassing. I've been there, mate. I know how it is. Yeah, but credit to Sale, you know, there is a bit of a negative around Johnny Hill, but Alex Anderson, I loved his interview before the game, like how spiky he is, and he's naturally that character anyway, isn't he? Back in his troops, and yes, you've got to rest people, you know, there's short turnaround this week for the Prem game and all that stuff, and you know, you're hearing from coaches, these players can't go 
10 games back to back to back to back, but fans just want to see them play all the time. So they do have to rotate. And I know there's issues around Manu and how much he can play. So you can't just send him out to war every weekend the way he plays. You have to pick and choose if we want to see the best Manu Tuolangi for sale and England. And ultimately, you know, those sale boys did themselves proud. The club should have been immensely proud of how they performed because everyone wrote them off. Yet they stuck it to Leinster, who are supposedly one of the best ever teams in the group stages of Champions Cups. You know, and they scored an absolute wonder try. Tom Curtis, delighted for him. Lovely lad. Comes on, has the wheels to finish it off. Aaron Reid on fire. And some of those young guys from Sale really stood up and, you know, it was a classy performance, even in defeat. Well, Bath have made a great start to both the Premiership and Champions Cup, and we can have a chat now with their boss, Johan van Graan. How are you, mate? Any good in yourself? Very good, very good. Are you enjoying this moment, Johan, at the minute, as a coach when there's so much going on, back and forth between the Prem and the Champions Cup, but you have been going so well as a team. You happy going into Christmas? It's been uh, one ache of a journey. Now it was the pre-season, which was uh, a lot longer than normal. Then the start of the Prem Cup, which we used a bit differently than, than other teams, and then enjoying that whilst the World Cup was going. And then the start of the Premiership, uh, going eight rounds uh, in the Premiership, and then you know into Europe and now back into the Premiership. I said to some friends last night, they said, oh, it's, it's Christmas time. I said, yeah, it's just a small issue of six massive games uh, remaining until the end of January. <laughs> so, uh, but you have to love it. Uh, it's, it's absolutely my passion. Uh, I love what I do. I haven't worked a day in my life. Enjoying the group. The group really is working hard week in and week out, and and. Uh, we're trying to get better every week and then we said on top of it all, like what else would we be doing? So you've got to love rugby. You have to and you're doing a hell of a job at the minute. I'll rewind back in a bit but I just want to ask you quickly, you mentioned Christmas. As a coach and I know how hard you guys work, do you have time to do any Christmas shopping? Have you done your Christmas shopping yet or is it just rugby, rugby, rugby? Uh, good, I'm actually going this morning with my kids. We're going to buy my, my wife her Christmas present this morning and one of the, the more important things in rugby is balance. And that's something that I preach here at Bath is um, you've got to have balance in life. Rugby is important, but our family lives and, and our lives away from rugby is just as important. And you know, one of the biggest things in recruitment is I'm looking for guys that are balanced, guys that are enjoying life as well. Uh, we don't want robots. It's such a structured life uh, coming at this time, training now, gym now, getting to the ice baths, having nutrition. So what we do away from here is, is also so important. And that's one of the things that, that I've enjoyed about this group is we've become a lot better at, at balance. When we're in, we're in, but also try and get guys away from here. So the Northern Hemisphere is very different to the Southern Hemisphere. My time in Munster, the 26th, uh, Munster always plays Leinster. And that first Christmas was very strange because it's kind of the, you train on the 24th and then you've got Christmas Day, but it's this big game coming. This uh, year at Bath, uh, we're playing Quinns, obviously, uh, on the weekend, but then I've given the, the whole squad three days away. So everybody can fly to where they need to fly, get to their families 24th, 25th, 26th away. So very important and to your point, yeah, I hope I get a good Christmas present this morning. Mm. Well, it's absolutely deserved, uh, that's for sure. Just one thing, yeah, just for you personally. So you're at Munster, which is seen as a mega club globally, uh, the brand that goes with that, the expectations to, to win things when you're at a club like that. Then you come to Bath, where weirdly, there's also that expectation. And we're going back into the 80s and 90s, where there's kind of real history and heritage. But a club that has struggled lately, but the fan base is still there, the history and the desire to do that. You knew the job you were taking on, right? And the expectation that the Bath fans would have, and you've delivered on that. That's what I want to say. But as a coach, you seem to thrive, I suppose, in then pressure environments of expectation. You know, Jim, if I, if I go back to where my journey started with the Bulls in, in South Africa, it's, it's obviously my own province and there's also expectation. We started at the time of the Bulls where, you know, even competing in Super Rugby was unthinkable. And then we won, you know, as a group, three titles in, in four years. And then with South Africa and the Springboks, there's always expectation. And then, yeah, I, I learned so much at Munster. First time being a, a head coach or a director of rugby, an incredible club. And, and they were so good to me. And the opportunity at Bath came about and, and I said to Bruce, this is going to be something long-term. There's so many things to fix. 
but I'm absolutely sure we can do it and, and I'm here to help. It's never been about me. It wasn't about me at Munster. It's certainly not uh, about me at Bath. And, you know, there's some very good people at Bath, but we needed to put some fundamentals in place and actually get a plan and get a structure and understand what the game of rugby is about. And then going to the city and the rec and the support, That's that's always been there, but you also need them to give them something to shout about and you know we we started slowly and we've been we've been building and you know I'm, I'm not a coach that says oh it's a three-year or a five-year plan you've got to get better every single day and you know I had to make some some decisions after my first few months here about people and some very good people left the club last year but it's about looking forward and we've made change and yeah I think the change is is evident <laughs> we're still a long way away from where we want to be. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely loving what I'm doing. Obviously, off the back of a decent win down in Cardiff at the weekend, hell of a game. Tries galore, left, right and centre. You score, they score. And Cardiff put up a real good fight as well with some quality international players. Talk us through the game from your perspective. A good, interesting about Cardiff. When I coached in, in the URC, their line-out attack and then what we call snap attack it's, is their turnover attack is some of the best that I've come across. So, so we knew that we had a challenge. And if you look at their selection against Toulouse, they held quite a bit back for this game. And then, you know, if you do your research from Bath versus Cardiff in the olden days, this, this was in the olden days a big game. So, so we knew this was going to be a big game. And then the other bit is, is the difference between grass to 4G pitches and the Gloucester game for us, the Saracens game, is once you get momentum... If you just keep the ball, you're going to score at some stage. You're going to get a penalty advantage. Unfortunately, the flip side of that is also true, is once you concede a line break, it's inevitable that teams will score. So we were very happy. I mean, we scored the bonus point within the first half an hour. We then potentially became too excited and leaked a few tries, one or two balls on the floor. And and to be fair to Cardiff, they scored one or two magnificent tries from from turnover attack. And at halftime... We said, let's make sure we go back to basics. We knew that we wanted to target the second half from a set-piece perspective. So we selected a six forwards on, on the bench and went early with Elliot Stuck and Yaku Kutsia and then went quite early with Will Stewart and Juan Skuman. And I thought the last 20, we took control of the game. You know, got territory. Our mall started getting to the game. We got some scrum penalties and... They needed to to play in the last 10 minutes, which I thought we shut them down quite well. But but a heck of a game. I, I think from a neutral perspective, great advert for the competition. And it just shows that uh, it doesn't matter who puts out what team, it's an exciting game. Some good things from our side. I'd say the biggest work on for us in a game like that is can we gain control quicker than we potentially did. One thing I wanted to get into was how you've got some of the best out of some of the quality that you've got. One of our favourite players on here, one of the standout performers uh, at the weekend, is friend of the show. You know where I'm going with this, Johan? Alfie Barbary. I'm not going Finn Russell. <laughs> no, yeah, I was going to go friend of the show. Look, There's so many to choose from, right? There is. I know you think we were going to talk about Finn Russell, but that would be the easy go-to. Like I'm watching Bath. I'm looking at how well Ben Spencer's playing. Joe Thocken, a singer. If he can get right for me, he's going to be one of the best players in the world. But I just wanted to chat a bit about Alfie Barbary because... I know he's had his issues with injury, with the stuff at Wasps. I used to do spin bike next to his mum a few years ago. And she was like, my son's going to be a great rugby player. You hear it all the time. I was like, oh, okay, yeah. But she was right. Like I'm watching him play, like what a player he is. I, I know not for you to single out different players, but there is a couple that I want to talk about. But someone like Alfie Barbary with the issues that he's been through, how important is it getting these players that aren't necessarily the Finn Russells, the superstars, the Joe Thock and the singers, the standout players, but the importance of players like Alfie keeping himself right and keeping a team like Bath on the front foot? Now, Jim, I just want to give you some perspective. When I came into Bath, one of the big deficiencies I saw that this was a team without ball carriers. So from a recruitment point of view, uh, I said to the board, the number one priority is to sign ball carriers. And with the unfortunate situation of Worcester and, and Wasps, you know, I targeted Ollie and, and Ted Hill as, as two ball carriers. And if you look at when they came into our team last season, there was a momentum shift and... Then I was looking for another ball carrying eight. Yaku Kutsia is a very good player, but he was injured at the time. And if I just go to Yaku, what he did on, on, on Saturday evening as a ball carrier. Unreal. But I tried to look in the premiership 
who can be a premier ball carrier. If I use the example of Jasper Visa, I, I looked mm. at somebody uh, that could be that guy and, and then I targeted Alfie. When I met him the first time, I, I said, look, there's a lot of things I can say, but the one thing that I see in your game is you can become the premier ball carrier in Europe. And that's why I want you in my team. And I signed him when he had that big hamstring operation and, and said, look, I've got the utmost confidence in Rory, Sarah and Alex to get you right. We've got to have your buy-in. He worked so hard to come back against Leicester. Uh, he had that one amazing carry, which said to me, yes, this is the guy. And then he got mm. injured again. And that was very difficult for him because, you know, he's had some big disappointments from injuries. We took our time, we, we built him up and we potentially took one or two weeks longer in the Prem Cup. Uh, we brought him back against Exeter. And, you know, in his professional career, this has been the longest run of games that he's had. So, you know, he's well conditioned. We want to get him fitter. We want to make him even more robust, but he's made a massive difference to us. And he's his own man, but he can carry a ball and he absolutely loves to run into contact. And going back to that tough to beat is I want more of them in my team. And he's been so good in the group. And there was a moment in, in the Gloucester game when, when he got hit without the ball. And you can just see the other 14 lads around him, a sign of a team, a sign of unity, and they were all around him. And um, yeah, look, he's going to be a, a very important piece of ball-carrying ability to us in, in the future years. And we've signed specific people in specific roles. It's not about just, oh, that's a nice player, let's get him in. I'm looking for specific players, and he fitted a premier ball carrier at eight. You mentioned him at eight there. Eddie Jones wanted to play him at hooker. No chance of that, is there? He's a quality eight and he's staying there, right? Yeah, that was one of the first questions I've asked him, you know, Alf, how's this hooker thing? Um, he said, no, no, he's going to stay at eight. Um, <laughs> Good on him for doing that because the pressure coming from someone like Eddie Jones or a coach asking you and you're thinking, actually, if I'm being asked all these times, maybe I'm not going to be yeah. in the back row. Maybe I should go to hooker. I could see exactly why Eddie would say that because, you know, if you can have somebody in your team that can play hooker and eight, we had a player called Derek Keane, good in 2007, that played for the Bulls. He was on the bench and he covered hooker and, and seven. So I can see the, the thinking around it. But Alfie was very clear that eight's going to be the position. And I was very clear I want to sign you as an eight. And, and look, he's bought into, into that. And um, it's the hits you take when you play that position. You know, somebody like Jasper, somebody like Dwayne Vermeulen you know that you're going to get hit and you're going to get doubles and triples, but he's got such a unique way of carrying. He's one of the only guys left in the game that can actually hit and spin, and he uses his body so, so well. We're still going to keep working on his body height, but um, yeah, he can certainly carry. Yeah, he certainly can. Obviously, everyone's getting big raps around Finn Russell, Ollie Lawrence, Joe Cockner Singer, Ben Spencer. But one of the big changes I've noticed this year in Bath is how big their scrum's been. Ben Urbano's been amazing. Thomas Detoy scoring tries for fun, but also locking down scrums. Will Stewart, that's a real threat for Bath at the minute. And where's Thomas Detoy's try scoring come from? Because he's on fire, right? I spoke to him uh, yesterday and, and he said, Coach, I've never scored this many tries in, in my life. Um, uh, in terms of, of, of the scrum it's something that I've learned in, in the premiership if you want to succeed in this premiership you need a scrum and you need a mall and we decided that we're going to spend our, our money in the scrum so you know, we retained Tom Dunn uh, we retained Will Stewart and, and Ben Obano is still signed for another year but then from a salary cap perspective you know I, I tried to do something different I went to to go and look, which in my opinion is the best player in the world that can play both sides of the scrum. And, and that's why we, we signed Thomas, because Will Stewart will play international rugby. I believe Ben Urbano is good enough to play international rugby and somebody that can go both sides. And yeah, our scrum has been a big weapon for us. And we're not a, a team that, that like to play around the scrum. You know, we don't pull out of it. We don't like to walk around. We want to go straight forward. So that, that's been very good for us, but but then again, good in the ball-carrying ability. If you look at the ball-carrying ability of Thomas, Benno, Will Stewart, that's such a big weapon for us. And uh, if you look at a team like Exeter, I think Rob has, has signed very well. Is Once Exeter gets five yards from your try line, it's, it's very difficult to stop. And that's something we've worked on, to get the right plays in the right position five yards from the try line. And yeah, I... Our props have scored a lot, and yeah, specifically Thomas. I think if you look at the tries scored against Exeter, 
big scrum sequence. I think it was five, six scrums in their trial line, but the speed he gets out of that scrum, pick and goes and goes and score. Yeah, that was impressive. But happy of our scrum. Also, a lot of credit to Stevie Scott. Got Stevie in. He replaced Hatch, which is an absolute club legend here at Bath. But Stevie is coming in his in his quiet way, and uh, yeah, he's he's taken our scrum to the next level. Yeah, Stevie's a top lad. But you know, we're causing you a few issues here as well, Johan, because the agents are going to be clipping this up, and you're talking up these players. They're going to be coming in <laughs> asking for. Pay increases. But on that, I wanted to talk about Arky Snyman. I don't know what you can and can't say, but he's being banded about. Big news in the week, the headline news, is that he's going to go to Leinster and take the the 500 Gs, as they call it. Recruitment's a big thing, right? And we're seeing the quality of South African players that are littered everywhere. But someone like Arky Snyman, is it a dead duck now? Is he off to Leinster? Big news? Or do you still want him? Firstly, on, on uh, Arky's uh, future, no comment from my side. Oh. What I would say about him is um, he's one of the best players I've coached. He was in the same school as, as I was. He's phenomenal athlete. The things that he can do w- with ball in, in hand is incredible. And I don't think the world have, have seen the best of him yet. Yeah, Talent-wise, he's one of the best uh, you know that I've ever coached. All I can say is wherever he goes, whichever team takes him, they're lucky to have him. On top of that, he's an incredible human being. So I've got the utmost respect for RG and wherever he goes, I I wish him the very best. You could see him fitting in at Bath. You can see the South African influence, like I said, that are littered around, Like as in they have huge influence. And if he can get his injury profile right, then I agree with you. For me, it's just, he's like a younger Jim. I'm not even going to say it. Um, Stop it, Jim. Stop but just it. On, the, um, on his name, how do you say his name properly? Because obviously it's RG. At the World Cup, I called him RG one week and then I called him Arkia. But how do you say it? Yeah, just to clear it up if we're commentating on him. Arkia. Okay, got Ach, it. Yeah, there you go. There, yeah, nail it, Jim. You'll, you'll nail that. Ach, yeah, got it. <laughs> there, what a player. Hell of a player. I'd love to see him in the Prem. He could be wearing the blue of Bath by the sounds of it, or the blue of Leinster. Who knows? No comment. But I want to ask you about the salary cap because there are big question marks around that. It's going up again next year. I know, listen, you've, you've done amazing things coming into Bath. You've got a, a very affluent owner who wants the club you know, to succeed in Bruce Craig. There's plans around the stadium as well to rebuild and you know, the massive plans for Bath going forward are huge. Where, where do you sit with the, the salary cap and yeah, the issues that the Premiership's had with losing three clubs, Jersey Reds have gone now in the Championship and that balance between what Newcastle are doing where they can't necessarily afford to spend the big bucks and the clubs like yourselves and Saracens and Leicester to an extent and Sale and Bath who actually... Yeah, want to spend as much as they can within reason to try and win the Prem. The most important thing is the game. I'm a rugby man and you've got to have opponents to play against and we've got to look after clubs and we've got to find the way to talk about the great things in, in the game and how unfortunate is it that Wasps isn't there anymore. You know, growing up, I watched Wasps when, when they were in, in their prime and We've got to look after the clubs that we have. We, we can't change the past, but we can certainly influence the future. And from a premiership point of view, if I, if I just you know, look at what the premiership clubs have done in, in the last two weekends in Europe, it shows that there's a massive amount of quality in, in the premiership. And the fact that the league is so tight, a lot of the premiership club won a lot of uh, tight games. We've got a very good product. Got to make sure that we look after not only the Premiership club, but also the Championship clubs, because ultimately it's a community game. Ultimately, I want my two boys to play rugby. I want my family to to go and support the game. And, you know, nothing like a Sunday morning for me outside the rec when, when my boys play there and my little girl runs around. So for me, it's about looking after the game from a cap perspective, I think it's important that English rugby stays strong. You know, I'm a South African. I love my country. I've enjoyed my time in Ireland, but currently I'm, I'm in England. So, you know, I want to do what's the best for Bath and what's the best for, for English rugby. And that's looking after the game. And I just go back to the World Cup, how amazing the World Cup was in France. I took my family to the South Africa Ireland game and the occasion and, and the memory. So coming back to the premiership, we've got to look after what we have and we've got to make sure, you know, I'm not for always going to be a coach that in 20 or 30 years time that we've got a, a healthy game. And there's so many options in the world that, that kids can go and play and people can go and watch. We've got to make sure that this is a game that people understand, number one. 
we've got to simplify the game and then we've got to look after it uh, would be my view. Lastly for me, before you go, you mentioned loving your country there. I know you're in bath mode at the minute, but there is talk about in the future who could replace someone like Rassi Erasmus. I know Jacques is at Leinster. Is that something that you'd want in the future, Johan, all being well? Well, look, Jim, I've been very fortunate to uh, coach 74 test matches with the Springboks as an assistant coach, and that's the ultimate thing to do, uh, represent your country. So, you know, if, if that ever becomes an option, I, I'd love to be part of the South African setup again. And the reason why I left South Africa and went to Munster and, and, and came to Bath is become a better coach and experience something different. And, you know, rugby is such an amazing game. You learn from the best in other environments. So I'm trying to get better and I'm trying to enjoy the journey. And if that ever comes along the way in the future, I'd love to do it. But the Springboks are incredibly special and you've got to deserve that. So, yes, it's a dream of mine to, to coach my country one day. But Russ has done an incredible job. The Springboks are the double World Cup champions. So, Love to get involved in that at some point in the future, but you've got to deserve it. The timing's got to be right. For now, I'm loving my time in the Premiership and and um, Bruce, I've got a big dream for Bath and I've bought into that dream. And most important, you've got to love what you do and this is an absolute passion of mine. I'll stay as long as I can at Bath and enjoy this journey and whatever comes next, uh, I'll try and enjoy then. Yeah, 100%. Is Finn still driving his Lamborghini around or has he got a more family orientated car now he's a he's a father no he's very family orientated uh, goody thank god for you yeah. <laughs> yeah thank goodness for you because the one without a kid was pretty loose <laughs> no, no look he's uh, he's been magnificent for us and uh, obviously he's uh, an incredible rugby player but you know, people don't give him enough credit for the man that is off the field he looks after his family very well he's close to his mom and dad and now, I was just fitted in with the group and um, he's just Finn, the normal lad from Scotland. And he's made a big difference in our group. He's got the Lamborghini 4x4 then. That's what he's gone for. <laughs> <laughs> Johan, thank you very much for coming on the show, mate. Really appreciate it. Enjoy the rest of the season. Thanks, Andy. Appreciate it. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Guru. Thanks. Have a good Christmas. Really appreciate it, mate. Have a great Christmas. Cheers, guys. Top lad. Top lad. Bloody love that. Yeah. Proper rugby man, isn't he? All South Africans are, but you can see the detail he goes into, the heart that he's got for it. Yeah, really nice bloke. Really thinks about the game a hell of a lot and everything that goes into it. Um, what a jolly nice chap. It's his memory. How does he remember all the games? As in his name dropping, I'm thinking, yeah, that's the... That's the difference, hey, Jim. Smart. Yeah, exactly. Well, there you go. Well, I'm yeah. happy not to be a coach. I'll say that because not only do I forget, but... Yeah, just the level of detail that goes in. So I was unsure how that move to Bath from Munster was going to go for him. I know it was a tough yeah. move at Munster. I mean, they were going through a transition period, but my goodness me, it's undeniable how well they play. And yes, the stars have aligned because I know we didn't want to talk too much about Finn because they... Everyone is. Because everyone's talking about him. We don't need to talk about him. We know how good Finn is. But the stars have aligned with getting the likes of Alfie Barbary back fit, you know, bringing in players like Elliot Stook and Joe Thokonasinga, Kutsia that he mentioned as well, the South African influence that they've got. Ben Spencer, like I knew and played with Ben, that if he can get the right coach and the right framework, you know, for me, he can't be far away from England. So as hard as it's been to talk about Bath in recent years, how much better is the Prem and the Champions Cup with a team like Bath? Yeah. The wreck sold out. Hey, when it's windy and rainy there and there's no cover, people are still there enjoying hey, it. That, but that's the thing about Bath fans. I look at that and you do the commentary from the opposite side under the stand. I look at that stand and I think, him, why? Why do you want to go and watch rugby in the pissing Wayne? It's hammering down the wind, but they love it there. And that's a sign of a proper rugby club in a proper rugby town that are thriving at the minute. So, And when they were getting hammered, do you remember the crowd? They never left. Do you remember that, that was there. the whole thing yeah. about they still yeah. went watching? So, you know, they're a team that want to invest and fair play to him and his squad. So they're an absolute delight to watch. Yeah, I love the way he said no comment about RG Snyman. Next thing, you know, he's signing for Bath. <laughs> <laughs> well they need more than 500 well I don't know if that's yours or pants hey it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels so whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City go Kevin or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the Priceline app today your savings are waiting 
to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. Reigning champs, Lara Shell, they're struggling, aren't they, lads? Yeah, they are at the minute, and it was a an interesting game over in Cape Town. Probably think they should have got out of there with a win. They were 20 points to nine up on 51 minutes and in control. Borgerit started it. I love that name, Bogeyeats. Borgerit at hooker with a hell of a run down the touchline. Some player he is. He got injured as well, which is a shame, but yeah. Yeah, to create a try for Kerr Barlow. And the Stormers weren't really at the races until Ben Loder... Oh, my crossfield kick. Plucks it out the sky. Hell of a finish. That got the Stormers back into the game. And then there was the mad finish where Hastoy thinks he scored a try to clinch the win. And ultimately, it gets brought back for a bit of head contact. Joel Scalvi had some, you know, a shot to the head. And rightly so, it got pulled back, which allowed Stormers to go down the field and eventually get the winner. And then I'm so chuffed for Marnie Leboc because we talk about World Cups. We talk about the pressure of players. I know what it's like as a goal kicker when people are questioning your goal kicking, which ultimately that was his issue at the World Cup and everyone called for Andre Pollard and we know the history. Andre Pollard comes on, doesn't miss a kick at goal, South Africa win the World Cup and Marnie Leboc gets subbed off after 30 minutes in that semi-final. And to bounce back from that in any game, whether it's a club game, being hooked off at 30 minutes is horrible. To bounce back from that on a big stage, to have a clutch kick from the touchline, the wrong touchline as well for a right footer, and to nail the conversion to win the game against the current Investec Champions Cup champions, mate, plums bigger than you've ever seen in your life to do that. And then the celebration. It shows the the confidence of him himself and the fact that he's parked all those issues at the World Cup. Brilliant player. But interestingly, people will complain, and I'm sure the La Rochelle fans won't be happy that it got pulled back for head, a head collision. This has to always try. They'll think it should have counted, but 100% the referee got that right which allowed Stormers to get the driving line out try and then obviously Manny Leboc to step up with the biggest of plums to kick the winner. Yeah, I tweeted about it after. Do you still call it a tweet or is it an X? Yeah, quite right, does it? Yeah, I'm going to call it a tweet. I'm going to call it a tweet. But I did and then I took it down. I said it was a career-defining kick for Manny Leboc and then I took it down and thought, well... Maybe that's too much sensationalist, but mm. yeah, I mean, massive. Like, I agree with you, Goody. You can't even imagine what he's been through. And you talk about like embarrassment of being called out on things like Johnny Hill, for example, some of his penalties. Like I imagine Manny Lebot would have probably felt, I don't know without speaking for him, but you would feel embarrassed getting yanked off, wouldn't you? 30 minutes into a semi-final game. Yeah. And he goes back and you, everyone speaks about the love they've got for him within the squad, within the South African setup. You've got a fantastic coach in John Dobson, I mean, he's a wicked player as well. You look at how Manny Lobot plays, you know, that kick, no-look kick against Scotland. But his kicking game, and you all know more about this, Goody, the one that sat up Ben Loder's try that you mentioned, but his array of kicking is just, is probably one of the best in the game, if not the best in terms of his kick pass. And yeah. that's saying some when you've got someone like Finn Russell, who's phenomenal at that as well. Yeah, I mean, he's up there with the best in the world. And ball in hand, he's ridiculously good as well. His passing game, he's putting players into space, his own individual running threat. He's got everything. The question mark was over his goal kicking. So that's why I'm so chuffed for him because having been there as a goal kicker where you do miss a few and then the questions start coming and people start talking about it, especially him on the biggest of stages. And then someone comes in like Andre Pollard and produces what he produced to win the World Cup for South Africa. That's a hell of a step up and a bounce back from Manny Leboc and just shows how classy he is. It'll be interesting to see what La Rochelle do for this. I mean, they're obviously back-to-back champions. No, in Ronogara, they've got Leicester at home in the next round. And Leicester, who beat Stade Francais, have played 2-1-2. And then they've got Sale Sharks away last game. So I, I think, looking at it now, I still think La Rochelle will qualify. It's hard looking at them now, played two, lost two. But the quality in their squad, they will get it right. They're tough not to crack at home, even though Leinster went over there and did it. Will Tigers try and focus on the Leinster game at home the week after, who knows. But I know Ron Nogara will go all guns blazing, trying to qualify for the group. Yeah, they're probably going to be playing away from home in the knockouts and who'd want to take on La Rochelle still. Even though they're not at the races at the minute in the top 14 or the Champions Cup, they're still immense when they've got all their players fit, firing, you know, big Willie, little Willie, Bottier, all of the big time players, they're still a massive threat and, you know, Rog will be doing everything he can to get them to qualify from that group. Well, Racing have been immense in the top 14 league this year, but wasn't enough at the Kingspan for Ulster, was it? Didn't see that coming. I mean, Racing aren't generally that good on the road, are they? 
and that's maybe a massive Frenchism saying that. But Ulster, you were you, you were always going to see a different performance from what they put out at Bath because they've been underwhelming. And then they go to the new tap penalties. How good was that? Nick Timoney with a couple of tries. He was class, by the way, Timoney. And he's I a told you. He was on the gym. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you think about him up against Sierkalisi. So he's got that emotional, motivational driver when you're up against the GOAT, effectively. Yeah. But on that tap penalty, Andrew... Genuinely, get the malls in, lads. Yeah, I know the malls ones. What about the one where Cooney like just taps it up, like as in just taps yeah. it in the air, and someone comes blasting onto the ball? Yeah, imagine me being that runner. You drop it right on purpose. You're going to get yeah. absolutely minced, <laughs> aren't you? But it worked. It was effective. Yeah, but those. I think a lot of teams will start doing that. You know, give it to Henderson, set up the driving malls. How hard is it to stop? The only way to do it is Luke Cowan-Dickey it and dive at someone's ankles to chop it straight away. But And you're fucking your neck. Yeah, exactly. The the Racing boys were too high and, and obviously something that Ulster worked on the week as a... I love all these tap penalties from five metres out now, all the different plays that teams are coming up with. Toulouse did one the other week where there's people running all over the shop and ended up just giving it to the biggest fucker down the middle. But the innovation around that is class and bring back the driving mall, Jim. You, mate, you could play again. On me, yeah. lads, on me. On me. Yeah, shaking the duvet. But yeah, I mean, you say that Saracen showed no innovation. Here, just give it to Billy. Yeah. Literally a balloon pass. Get that five metres beyond the game line. Jim, last week you were talking up Quinns, saying they've got the complete package. What happened? Your fault, Jim. I mean, Toulouse, absolute worldy of a team. And you, you look at Toulon, right? Toulon are frustrating to watch because they haven't got any attacking structure. But then you could also say the same about Toulouse in a way because they are completely off the cuff. But Toulouse are littered with like world-class players throughout the whole back line. Toulon have got some good players in their back line, but absolutely ridiculous. Think about how good Quinns have been. They're at home, motivations through the roof because you've got one of the best teams in the Champions Cup with the history that they've got. Anton Dupont's come into town. They're littered with just absolute worldy players. Malvaca, uh, Hooker's one of my favourite players to watch as well. Cyril Bime, old Cyril, we named him in the dream team of the Investec Champions Cup. Anthony Jolant in the back row, how good he has been for France. Do you know what? It's how they play as well. Like, it's littered with class players. Blair Kinghorn's obviously gone there and settled in really quickly. Every player is looking to get the ball out of tackle. And I go back to my days at Breve when Ugo Moller was the coach, he always talked about Don Lax, Don Lax, and just getting three players to support him from behind just to get the offloads in. I'm like, lads, let's kick to the corners. That's all I could do. But the style that they play in, the ball out, the tackle, the speed, every player is looking for offloads. Then you go into their set-piece plays. LaBelle's tried just after half-time from a set-piece line-out at the back. They obviously found a weakness where Malvaca runs across and then feeds him back on the inside. It was just electric from Toulouse and as you said at the start of the show Jim Toulouse look head and shoulders above any team at the minute in the Investec Champions Cup yes they beat a weakened Cardiff team last week but that's a huge result and performance to go to Quinns and stick it to them nearly put 50 points on them so the Quinns boys must have been out Sunday night because they only conceded 47 Jim they didn't take the full 50 <laughs> uh. but the reality of it is at the minute with DuPont pulling the strings in the second half you know, Thomas Ramos at fly off as well, you know, who's moved there. They haven't even got Untermack. Mm. Probably one of the best tens in the world as well at the minute when he's fit. So yeah, they're class. Leicester are two from two now. They did all right away from home. We spoke earlier about Sale making a load of changes. Well, Leicester have as well. Going over to Stade Francais, they have got a six-day turnaround to play Exeter in the Prem next week. So he's rotated his squad as you have to do. And Dan McKellar, the trust that he's got in the youngsters at Leicester and you know, George Martin comes back. That was huge for them in terms of the physicality that was required. He was banging boys, but Archie Vanes at hooker on Investec Champions Cup debut gets a hat-trick youngster that no one outside Leicester would have probably heard of that much. In 63 minutes as well. Yeah, he, he was brilliant. Backs to the wall stuff for Leicester at times. Young squad, Shilcock again, really impressed with him at 10, kicks a monster penalty to take Leicester into the lead at the end. And then I'm watching the game and I'm seeing George Martin smashing balls. Great to see him back. Obviously had a, a big impact at the World Cup. He's a, a big favourite of Steve Borthwick's and he's a proper physical, old school Leicester second row, isn't he, Jim? Like, hard as you like. And he gets subbed off because it's his first game back. 
and Harry Wells comes on, and I'm thinking, mm, that's a bit of a big call because of how well George Martin was going. Harry Wells comes on, and I'm looking at Harry Wells thinking, this is the Jim Hamilton of old. The absolute mall destroyer, battering through malls, getting turnovers, holding boys up over the line for what looked like a certain try, and he's held them up, and then he gets the turnover at the end. Harry Wells' impact for the last 20 minutes was phenomenal as a player, and it just shows, backs to the wall, our Stade Francais have not won that game shows the attitude and the dedication of the Leicester boys, the physicality. The scrum looked like it was getting monstered at one point, even though they weren't scrummaging straight. But the sheer will and desire from that Leicester team to get the win, it's such a shame for Leicester Etienne, the Stade Francais winger. He had the perfect crossfield kick oh, in my his hands. Word. That's the game oh, winner there. Oh, my word. That's open yeah. goal. That is like open goal. And you don't want to call him out on that, but it is the most open goal you're ever going to get. I felt sorry for him. I mean, his name is Leicester Etienne. So maybe, you know, he, he didn't want Stavron say to win. He wanted Leicester to win. But yeah, that was the game there. Bonus point try as well for him. And he drops it. The sheer will of that Leicester team, a young Leicester team. And everyone talked about other teams resting players. You can do it. You've got to use your squad across the whole season. And credit to Dan McKellar and the Leicester boys. I thought Joe Hayes carried well as well. Hanro Liebenberg led the troops in the back row. And yeah, it's a massive win. Massive win because their next two games are against the two finalists from the last two years. They go away to La Rochelle and then they're home to Leinster. And they've got to pick something up from there. But to be two from two, they've got half a step into the knockout stages. But it just shows you it's the group of death. And to get a win over in Stade Francais is absolutely huge. All right, shall we finish things off then with the good, the bad and the ugly? Yeah, let's do that. We're going to start off in the good, obviously. Ulster get a massive shout-out, bouncing back to smash Rassing at home. Bath and Finn Russell get a big shout-out as well, beating Cardiff in a thriller at the Arms Park. Northampton Saints, two from two, beating Toulon at home. Brilliant start from them. We just spoke about Leicester Tigers winning away in Paris with a change-up team. That was huge. Toulouse pulling the pants down of Harlequins away from home, scoring 47 points. Was absolutely class at times. Exeter Chief, Chief Chiefs get a mention of the good. 22 home wins on the spin, beating Munster, coming back from 11 points down with 20 to go. That was huge for their young players. The Black Lion get another mention of the good. Yeah. They were in last week, Jim. They dusted out the Scarlets this week, 23-7 in the Challenge Cup. Tell the scrums that, about 45 scrum penalties. If you can't scrum, lads, you can't win. Rob, I saw the nice edit you put out from Merob Sherikadze. It was just before the World Cup that he came on, talking about the opportunities and grateful for the opportunities. And you're right, under the radar, we don't talk too much about the Challenge Cup, but Andrew, you're right to reference that. The poor Scarlet. You talk about Cardiff and the energy around that. It's so up and down in Wales, isn't it? But my goodness yeah, me, the Scarlets. I love Dwayne Peel as well. It's all about the Black Lion, Jim. They get a mention in the good. Bordeaux get a mention in the good as well. And specifically, Damien Penneau. He was ridiculous. Ridiculous. They absolutely spanked a change at Bristol team. Tom Curtis scored an absolute wonder try made by Aaron Reid for sale. Length of the field effort against Leinster. That gets a mention in the good. Saracens get a mention in the good, especially for their second half performance. Dominated Connacht. A brilliant performance by them to get a 55-pointer. Another mention in the good goes to Glasgow. Massive win for them to keep them in the competition over in Bayonne. Uh, I say massive win. It was 12-11, wasn't it? But Ali Miller scored a wonder try for number eight what about the wheels on him Jim ridiculous seven so that's why he's coming for Jack Dempsey who's just coming back from injury as well so yeah great replacement he looked class massive shout out as well to Josh Mackay with a hell of a finish in the corner to get Glasgow the victory so well done to those Scottish lads and the Kiwi but the good this week goes to one place we mentioned him earlier he had a tough World Cup in the end started brilliantly at the World Cup got hooked off after 30 minutes in the semi-final but Marnie LeBoc gets the good this week for that kick with spuds the size of grapefruits. Clutch kick to beat the champions, to keep the Stormers in the competition as well. Marnie LeBoc, after everything he's been through, he gets the good this week. The bad few bits are bad. Connacht, to get a mention of the bad, taking 50 at Saracens. Not been a great start to the Champions Cup for them. Quinns, get a mention of the bad as well, nearly taking 50 points at home. Munster, get a shout out in the bad this week. They gave up an 11-point lead to go home with just one attacking bonus point from a game they certainly probably should have won. Scarlets, get a mention of the bad, losing at home to the Black Lion from Georgia. As Jim just said, tough times for any Scarlets fans. Dino Lamb, 
And his injury gets a mention in the bad. It looked awful from the tackle and the high shot from Peter Aki. But hope he's okay. Being stretched off is never a good luck. And talking of injuries, the bad this week, unfortunately, is won by what happened between Ealing Trailfinders and the Cornish Pirates. An injury to Ben Grubb, which was pretty bad, meant the ambulance had to come on and take him to hospital and the game got abandoned. So the good news is Ben Grubb is out of hospital. The bad news is the game got abandoned and obviously with the ambulance taking him to hospital, there wasn't enough medical care there to continue the game. So thoughts with Ben Grubb, but that's why that gets the bad this week. And then the ugly, only one bit of ugly really, apart from the unfortunate shot by Peter Aki, which did deserve a yellow card, not a red. The ugly this week goes to Andrea Fafangi. For his red card, 10 minutes into cast defeat at hashtag always Edinburgh. He had a high shot on Harry Patterson, so that's why he gets the ugly. Thanks, Goody. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Producer Rob, and thank you very much for listening. I've had an absolute blast. Been a hell of a privilege working with you blokes and talking to the listeners. Millions. The millions. Yeah. It's been huge. Don't cry, Andy Rowe. I'm not crying, you're crying. It's been amazing. Andy Rowe, we're going to miss you, mate. Yeah, you've been class. Don't forget to check us out on YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok. But most importantly, make sure that you're subscribed on Spotify. Rubbish Pod. Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas. Spotted Pod, 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 Pod. pod.